0: When I was uh, just thinking about what to say during this baptism, uh, I was uh, struck for some reason, uh, best known really to myself, uh, about the difference between a symbol and a parable. Uh, It it may become clear why, it may not, but that's what I was struck with. So just go with me uh, on this. We're going to go on a little journey thinking about those two, if you like, uh, words, those two concepts, a symbol and a parable. Now, somebody described the difference like this. It said that a symbol brings to mind something that we know, an object, something, some body, some idea that we know, a symbol brings that to mind. Whereas a parable radically alters what we know about that object. It's not trying to represent it. It's actually trying to change and alter our opinion what we believe about that object. So just hold that in your mind as we go through this, the difference. So let's just think about those two in a bit more detail. Firstly, a symbol, right? A symbol represents something. It stands for something else. If you like, it makes something which is absent physically present in your mind when it's said or when you see it. They often have a kind of lasting, durable quality about them. So, for example, if we think about things that are symbols, words are symbols. So, for example, if I say the word carrot, what do you think of? A carrot. There's no carrots present. There's no carrots in this room. Yeah, I say the word carrot and you're all sitting there thinking of a carrot. Because, Because actually, the word is a symbol of a carrot. It brings it into your mind and you know what just because we now grow fancy dance very expensive purple carrots when I say carrot you still think of the good old orange variety because that's what you and I learned when we were reading through our books weren't we oh carrot 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 orange vegetable It's a carrot that's what we think of when we say the word that's what we grew up learning physical objects can also be symbols think about something like a swatch sticker think about you know, the badges that the Nazis would wear that was in the shape of a SWAT sticker. And if I were to show you one now, you would think about that terrible Nazi regime in Germany, even though the symbol in its basic form was around long before the Nazis ever adopted it. But because they adopted it and it's so well known, that's what we now think of when we see that symbol. It comes to our minds It symbolises them. The cross, think about two bits of wood nailed together. If I was to put a wooden cross here in front of you now, that would symbolise the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Even though lots of other people have been crucified, and even though two bits of wood being nailed together is about the basic building block of everything that we've ever built as humankind. And yet if I put two bits of wood like that nailed together most people would think about the cross. Because it's become a symbol, that's what comes to people's minds. So that's a symbol. Let me just go back to the parable thing. You see, a parable is not a symbol. A parable is a comparison in which something which we know is compared to something which is less known. Right? is about comparing two things, one of which we know... We understand, we've got a grip on, with something that we don't know or is unknown to us, with the idea being that it will alter our understanding of the less known thing. Do you get that? No, I'll say it again. So a parable is a comparison by which we take two things, one which we know, one which we don't know so well, with the idea being that we will know something more about the less known thing by looking at the well-known thing. Do you get that now? I'm going to move on anyway because I haven't got time. So, for example, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he didn't mean that he was going to go out, put on shepherd's clothes, look after 200 sheep on the hillside and be very, very good at it. That's not what he meant. What he meant was this. People that he said it to had a really good idea what a good shepherd was like. It was very well known to them. It was very familiar concept. A good shepherd cared for the sheep, protected them, looked after them. They knew what that meant. And so Jesus compares himself to this well-known and understood thing, namely a good shepherd, in order to illustrate and alter their understanding of the less well-known thing, which in this case, when Jesus was telling them, was himself. So he compares himself to this well-known, understood thing, in order to change their understanding of the less well-known thing, which was him. He's basically saying, look, you don't know what I'm like, but you know what a good shepherd is like. Well, guess what? I'm like that good shepherd. Just as the good shepherd protects and cares for, looks after the sheep, so I am one who protects, looks after, cares for, as we have worshipped and heard this morning. So the idea is that from then on, if someone says the name of Jesus to these people, they don't just think of a man, a carpenter, like some bloke talking in the square. They begin to think about him as a good shepherd. Are you with me? When they call him to mind, it's not just as a bloke Jesus. It's as a bloke Jesus who is like a good shepherd because that's what he told us, in a sense, what he was like. So let's think about baptism then. Think about baptism, what we're going to see and do and is going to happen to Lauren and Emma this morning. You see, baptism is a symbol, and it's more than a symbol, right? It's a symbol, and it's more than a symbol. It's more than a symbol because God can do supernatural things that none of us can see when people are baptized. Are you with me? So it's more than a symbol because God can do unseen, unknown things in the heavenlies, in in Lauren and Emma's hearts. He can do stuff that none of us will see. So it's more than just a symbol. But it is also an amazing symbol. It's one of the oldest, it's one of the best symbols of the Christian faith. Because baptism symbolizes this amazing reality that has happened and that we heard uh, declared in their testimonies that's happened to Emma and Lauren and everyone who's put their faith in Jesus. The first thing that baptism symbolizes is that we are unclean before God. God is holy, perfect, pure, and we are unclean before him. In other words, our sin, which includes our rebellion to God, the things that we say that offend him, the things that we do to one another that we know he wouldn't have us do, whether it's being selfish or whether it's acting out of hatred or whether it's lying whatever it may be all that put together is what the bible calls sin and our sin is if you like it's they're like it's like mud stains it's like it's like every sin that we do is like a big pile of mud that somehow gets stuck to ourselves our sin if you like makes us dirty but actually jesus can make us clean Because he dealt with our sin on the cross. And so figuratively speaking, it's like he he jet washes us. He jet washes us on the outside and he jet washes us on the inside. He removes that sin. And the truth is that because most of us and most people in Jesus' day understood the, uh, the concept that when you wash with water... You get clean. The the rubbish, the dirt, the sin gets washed away. Because that's what we do in our everyday lives, we understand that there is symbolism going on in the water. We understand that it's symbolic of our sins, the things we've done wrong to offend God, being washed away as we go through the water. Do you understand that? That's the first symbol. The second reality that baptism symbolizes is a death and a resurrection. Listen to this verse in Romans 6 verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may now live a new life. See, the truth is this we can't save ourselves. We can't avoid the truth that no matter what happens, whilst we are alive, one day we are all going to die. And when we go into the grave, and we will all go into the grave, we can't come out of it by our own strength or cleverness or how much money or power I love it these days, billionaires are spending millions of pounds, freezing themselves. When they die, they're going to have their remains rocketed off to some faraway planet. And then when they're going to be psychro thing back and come back, it's rubbish. They might as well burn their money. When we die, we die. It's what they're trying to avoid with all their millions and billions and zillions. (laughs) Hasn't worked for anyone so far. It's not going to work for them in the future. Because God has ordained it that we will live and we will die. That's the end of it. We can't do anything about that. See, the truth is we can't avoid ending up in the grave. And when we're in the grave, there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to get out of it. That's the truth that the world does not want to often accept. But it means that we need to follow in the path, in the footsteps of one who has died, entered the grave, and then been raised back to life again. That's the one whose path we need to follow. And the only one that I know who has done that is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who has died and been raised back to life. So it's in his footsteps that we need to follow. So in baptism, we are kind of taking our stand with Jesus. We are literally or symbolically climbing into his grave In order that the old life can die and we can be raised again to life by the power of his spirit. Not our cleverness, not our worthiness, not because we're really, really nice people, not because we're going to do everything that he ever wants us to do again, not none of that. We are associating with his death and his resurrection ourselves. So we trust our life and our death into his hands. In fact, we actually trust our life and death into his life and death. So we no longer fear death. We no longer fear the grave because we're putting our trust in the fact that what happened to him is going to happen to us. So when Jane and I, who are going to be doing the baptisms, later on put Emma and Lauren under the water, symbolically we're plunging them all the way down into Jesus' grave. That's what we're doing. But then just after a few moments, maybe minutes, we'll just see... (laughs) We'll just see how we feel. Depends on how their legs kick, really. That's the great sign. When the legs start, we won't. We're straight down, straight up. Promise. I promise. Down. We've lost no one yet. Right? When they come down, we're symbolising this old life. This old life is dying as Jesus' life died. And therefore, when we bring them back up out of the water... We are raising them to new life in Jesus Christ, amen? That is what we are doing. I spoke about this being a parable. So Jesus, you know, he was not a symbol of God. He was God. He was God in and of himself. But he was also a parable of God. You see, as a parable of God, when people encountered Jesus, he was the well-known thing to them. He was the thing that they knew and could see and talk to and observe and look at. And by what he did and what he taught them, what he was trying to do was reveal to them the less known thing, which in that case was his father, God. And of course, Jesus made it abundantly clear Because when people came to him and asked him, how do you do these things? By whose name? How do you teach with such wisdom? How do you do the miracles that you do? They're asking, really, what's the thing behind you? What's the unknown thing that we can't see that's enabling you to do all this, Jesus? Jesus was quite clear. "It's, It's God. It's my Father God. He's the one that you don't know, that I know that I am trying to reveal to you. So when Philip asked him, he says, Philip said, show us God. And Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? It's what Jesus had been doing for all these years, showing them the Father. So Jesus wasn't a symbol of God, but he was a parable of God. Through knowing him, you could get to know the lesser known one, the one that you didn't know who was God. And the truth is that Emma and Lauren and any Christians, we're not symbols of God. We're not symbols of God. But I do believe we are called to be parables of God. See, if you're not a Christian here this morning, then the truth is you don't know Jesus. You might know about Jesus, but their testimonies was that they know Jesus. So when Lauren says, why are you getting baptized? Jesus told me to get baptized, so I'm getting baptized. That's about knowing Jesus. It's not about... It's not about knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. Jesus said, get baptized, so I'm going to get baptized. They know Jesus. Then if you don't know him, you know someone who knows him. You know them. And through them and their testimony, you can get to know him as well. You see, their story, their testimony, is that Jesus is alive and has saved them. And I believe that if you're not a Christian here this morning, that should both give you hope and challenge you in equal measure. It should give you hope because if you know them, you know that they're not perfect. They weren't perfect before they became a Christian and guess what, shock, horror, they're not perfect now. So if they're not perfect but Jesus spoke to them and saved them, you're not perfect, guess what? Jesus can speak to you and save you now. So there is hope. If he can save them, surely he can save you. But secondly, there's a challenge there. Because in their testimony, if you boil it down, there's only three outcomes to what they're saying. Either they're lying. Either they've come here today and they're just lying about Jesus. Could be true. Second option could be that they are simply deceived, misled, idiots, stupid. You think that Jesus spoke to you, but he didn't really. It was just a curry last night. You might think that. The third option is this: Jesus is real and He's really spoken to them. Jesus is real and He's really saved them. So there is a challenge there as well, because if He's real and alive and knows them and has saved them, then surely he knows you, He's willing to speak to you, and if you will put your trust in him, then He will save you as well. So baptism is a symbol. The Christian faith. Christians are walking, talking, living, breathing parables of Jesus because through us, others who don't know him can see something of him and come to find him. I wonder whether I could just pray for us. Would you close your eyes? Just bow your heads, maybe. I just want to pray before we go and baptize them. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, I just want you to know that Jesus, as the good shepherd, knows you and he loves you. And like in the words of that song, he will leave the 99 sheep that he's looking after to come and find you. You may think you're here by accident today, but I don't believe you are. I believe you're here because Jesus wants to speak to you. So Lord Jesus, I pray firstly for anybody who's here who doesn't know you. And I pray that you will begin to speak to them, that you will begin to make yourself known to them. I pray that you will speak into their life and speak into their hearts. And Lord, we pray for Emma and we pray for Lauren. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved them. We thank you, Lord, that your act of living a perfect life and dying on the cross has meant that they can be washed clean of all their sin. There is now nothing that will ever separate them from your love. So, Lord, we pray that as we come to baptize them now, Lord, we both thank you for it. We also pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would fill them with your Spirit. Lord, we pray that you will watch over them, protect them, love them, care for them. Lord Jesus, we know that you are the good shepherd and that no one is going to snatch them out of your hands. So Lord, we pray for your blessing on them this morning and every morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to go outside, pick up your kids if they're in the crash, gather around the pool. Just give us a couple of minutes to get changed. We're going to baptize them. You can bring words, pictures. Then we're going to have tea and coffee back in here. Right.